Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And today he is back for his 15th appearance on Animal Radio. If you're a regular listener, you already know who that is. That would be Mr. Bob Barker. Bob yes. Barker. He's a, he is an amazing gentleman. How old is he now? Uh, yeah. I think he's, what, 93? 93 yeah, 93. years old. Yes. Wow. Sharp. I admire him for, you know, staying so active and up with his his personal causes. I, I think that's remarkable. And I, I hope to be at that position at his age. Yeah. No kidding. I don't know if he still has any animals. I know he had rabbits. So yeah. we'll have to ask him about that. Uh, but there was usually a rabbit next to him on every phone call. So yep. we'll, we'll find out. I know they were getting up there in rabbit years. How long does a rabbit usually live? Oh, I usually see him living 8 to 10, even 12 years sometimes. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Little prolific guys, too. I think he let them roam free on the whole second floor, and they would get into the TV and the cables and stuffing and pillows. He didn't care. He didn't really care. I mean, the second floor was... For the rabbits. For the rabbits. Absolutely. Uh, But first, we'll take a couple of your calls now, and then we'll do some news at the bottom of the hour. Lori, what are you working on? When you leave the house, I know I leave you know, music or a TV show on for my pets. And there is, it turns out after this new research that was released this week, one kind of music, there's a couple of kinds they don't like, but this one especially stresses dogs out. Huh. I hope it's not the music I'm leaving on. I leave on classical music when I leave the house. And I think that it would be calming for them. It's calming for me, but we'll find out uh, with the, the brand new research that Lori has done. And we'll yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Okay. Uh, we ready to go to the phones? Let's do it. Yes, let's go. And hi, Diane. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? Good. Where are you calling from? Orlando, Florida. Orlando. Okay. How can we help you? Um, I found a kitten, a female kitten, and we brought her in the house because it was winter time. Well, winter for Florida. And she stayed here for a while. Actually, she's living here now. We've named her Spare Kitty. But Spare Kitty has swollen glands that feel like that look like the mumps, and oh, I don't know okay. what to do about it. Okay, so she's about how old right now then? Well, she's had her first heat, so I figured she might be about six or seven months old. Okay, and is she feeling sickly in any way? No, she's she's very healthy. She's active. She bounces around and okay, good, good. <laughs> Okay. Well, when we have swollen lymph nodes, especially in the neck area, um, a couple of things do come to mind. Um, one of the first things I think of in kittens of about the ages between three and seven months of age is they can get a kind of strep infection, and it's called juvenile streptococcal lymphadenitis. And if that's not a mouthful, then, wow. <laughs> then I yeah. don't know. But, but basically, it starts as a strep infection that they get in the tonsils, and it works its way to the lymph nodes in the neck. Um, so that could, certainly could be a possibility there, among other things. So other things in kittens that will cause their lymph nodes to be enlarged can be some viral diseases like feline leukemia. Um, we can also see bacterial infections uh, like Bartonella, which are associated with cat scratch fever. Um, so any of these things I think are going to really justify a trip to your veterinarian so we can get her checked out. And that might be something as first starting with getting her viral tested, um, as well as, you know, getting a sample from the lymph node, because that can tell us a lot there. 
Um, okay. But uh, for a lot of those things, if we're not dealing with the viral thing, you know, we're talking about getting her on some antibiotics and getting her, you know, treated appropriately. So that that I feel pretty favorable about that. And then we need to get this gal spayed. My goodness. Oh, I know. I thought she was an older cat when I first brought her in, but um, I went to give her to some friends because they wanted to see her for the weekend. And when I did that, she went into heat, and I said, "Oh, this is a kitten. This is not a cat." Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so definitely. So um, great that you took her in. But yeah, let's get her into the vet and we can get all that taken care of pretty, pretty easily if it is what I think it is. All right. Thanks, thanks, thanks for calling, Diane. Hey, Dave. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing today? What can we do for you? Well, I was wondering if, uh, if there's a way to tell if my dog is the perfect weight, overweight, or underweight. That's a great question, Dave, and I thank you for asking that because I think a lot of times as pet owners, we think we know our dogs are in good weight, and the actual truth is in the vast majority of the cases (laughs) in my patients, they're actually overweight. So, yeah, Um, and I'd like to share a factoid here because according to recent studies, in dogs in the U.S., 35 to 40 percent of dogs are overweight or obese. That's all. Wow. We, that's a that's lot. That's a lot. And cats are similar. They're about 25 to 35 percent of U.S. cats are obese or overweight. So this is a huge number and that does have implications. So I'm so glad that you bring this up. Um, because we know that obesity is going to cause our pets to have increased rates of problems like diabetes, arthritis, orthopedic issues, skin infections, believe it or not. Many people are surprised by that because that excess skin from being overweight oh. can actually be, make them more prone to non-allergy type, you know, skin infections. Mm. So it's a big issue. So the number one thing that I would say is, you know, communicate with your veterinarian. Um, in our office, every time we see a patient, we do what we call a body condition score. So we take a pet's weight, but we also score their body condition. And there's kind of two different scales for that, one to five or one to nine are the two different scales. But basically it helps put a number at where your pet's condition is so that we can measure that between different visits and different doctors potentially. Um, so that's something you can look that up online. Um, there's one made by Purina, but you can go to pretty much anywhere on the internet and find a body condition score. We can look at a chart and kind of it gives the view usually from the side and from the top to down because there's different ways we look at our pets and we're basically looking to see if they have a nice kind of like an hourglass glass figure um, for our pet so we want to see a little bit of tucked up in the um, kind of in the abdomen area um, a little bit tapered there we don't want to see a potato shape <laughs> and certainly we don't want to see kind of the torpedo shape kind of the rounded uh, shape so um, well, that's well, kind is, of this is strange because my dog is like a, a tubular but <laughs> Well, she's a Rottweiler Shepherd mix. Mm -hmm. So, so when you look at her from the top, she's tubular. You look from the bottom. There's like a cut up where the back legs are, but she seems very beefy but strong Mm -hmm. and not overweight. You can't pinch the gut at all. Yeah, and I think I would probably have to see her because a normal, like a perfect weight dog, which in my category is a three out of five, when we actually put our hands on the ribs, we should feel ribs. Um, there may be a little bit of some tissue covering that, but we actually do want to feel ribs. And we also want to see that tuck up in the on the flank from the side. 
Um, and then if you're standing above, we want to see a little bit of a tuck between the chest and the hips. There should be a narrowing there. So if we're straight like a rectangular, then I'm going to probably put your dog at a four out of five, just from what you're describing, which means we're already in the overweight category. So, and that's where I think, you know, getting a veterinary assessment is helpful. Um, and a lot of folks tell me, what number? How much should my pet weigh? And it's never about the number, just like with people. We hate to like, you know, label pets as being overweight because they're over 35 pounds or 45 pounds when the breed standard says they should be a different weight. Um, but the body condition score really is going to be very important for you to help kind of figure that out and know how to alter your feedings. Um, cause that's the next step that we would talk about is how to, what kind of strategies do we use to just trim off a little bit of weight? And this is what I do for my dogs. So I, I have, I can tell you, uh, experience over all the years, um, the amount of food that a pet food manufacturer tells you on the bag to feed is way overestimated. Is it? Is it? it oh, is. Okay. Yes. Yes, by far. And, um, you know, I, I have people come in all the time and say, Oh, you know, my, you know, 75 pound dog I'm feeding you know six cups a day and that's how much the food manufacturer says and I'll be like you know what no are they just Uh, putting that on the label to sell more dog food the reason that the amounts that I think that there's a discrepancy and whether or not we believe they're trying to sell more food or not I don't know but um, I do believe that we overestimate a pet's metabolic activity so what are they doing during the day Uh, Many pets kind of hang around the house, sit on the couch, bark at the mailman, and they don't necessarily do a lot. Um, So if they're out doing athletic sports, doing running, they're hunting, they're doing very vigorous activity, you may need to feed more of that higher end of the feeding amount on on that bag of dog food. But um, the dog that doesn't do that or goes for a walk twice a week or three times a week is not getting that same level of physical activity that we Mm. might be expecting. So chasing the mailman every day uh, counts. <laughs> no, no more than me running to the television. <laughs> so no. <laughs> but for the mailman, that's a good hundred calories. Uh, well, well, he's not eating the, the mailman, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Thank you so much for your call today, Dave. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients that support your pet's optimal health. Visit them over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Hospitals and nursing homes are taking down their No Dogs Allowed signs. Medical studies show that people who own a pet make fewer trips to the doctor. Pets can help calm people with high blood pressure, and just the act of petting a pet can release the feel-good hormones in humans, helping many patients with depression. There are numerous studies that show the positive effect of owning a dog. From getting some exercise while walking a dog to companionship for shut-ins. All these big medical studies just show what we knew all along. Life is better when you share it with a pet. Have you hugged yours today? I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Elaine Boozer on Animal Radio. Stay in to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And coming up next hour for his 15th appearance. And I believe this is a record. I don't believe anybody else has been on the show this much. Bob Barker will be back with us. I love him. He is an amazing guy who's just always dedicated his life to the animals. That's awesome. Remember his rabbit? Oh, his bunnies? Yeah. Yeah, he he had I believe his whole second floor, but don't don't bring those up because I, I, don't I don't think, think they're, they're still with, with us, us anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he had the whole second floor of his house dedicated to his bunnies, and they would eat through the uh, cords and wires uh, of the TV, TV. set. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Ooh, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. We're also going to go to the phones for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani in just a couple of seconds. Uh, what are we doing at the bottom of the hour, Miss Brooks? We have. I had so much fun working on this. There is this awesome new study that's out on what kind of music dogs prefer to listen to. <laughs> and there's all kinds of variables. So if you're one of those, like we all are, who leaves the house and leaves something on for your pets to keep them company... I'll tell you what's going to keep them calm. What works, okay? I could never agree with my dog. I'll like start Pandora, and she'll come over and she'll skip a song. <laughs> she doesn't like a song or something like that. We just don't have similar tastes. So, um, well, well, we'll help you on that. Hal, I'll give you the secret. Okay, let's go to the phones. We have a call for Doctor Debbie, and it's BJ. Welcome to the show, BJ. Hey, Hal, Doctor hey. Debbie. Hey there. <laughs> How are you? Well, good, good. I just got a puppy that, well, my baby, in about the last three, four months, he'll be four years old next month. Okay. And he has decided, when he was a baby, he's a Boston Terrier. So being lactosophilic, he's got them buggy eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're adorable with that. Well, that's what I love them. You always have to take the dew claws off because mm-hmm. okay. they, they rub their face and tear up their eyes. Okay. So I had his dew claws taken off when he was a baby. Okay. So and what's he doing now? He's now licking where that dew claw was. Okay. And, and just he one of the legs? And licks and licks on both front feet. Mm-hmm. Am okay. I getting arthritis? 
Well, the answer is maybe. Um, for pets that, with these front dew claws, there's some controversy whether we have to take them off in some breeds of dogs um, or if we just leave them well enough alone. Um, so for various reasons, such as rubbing the face or really athletic dogs that may tear them up uh, if they're really cutting into the, the ground, um, they'll tear their dew claws, whatever reason. So if we end up taking those off, there are some unusual consequences that sometimes can come up. And yes, we can occasionally see arthritis in in the wrist. It's not terribly common, and it's something that um, we could pretty easily pick up off of an x-ray to see if that might be the case. There are also dogs where, depending on the surgery and the technique and so forth, I have occasionally seen dogs where they'll kind of grow back a little bit of nail tissue. Um, if that little bit of the, the germinal tissue, the part where the nail grows from, if that hasn't been completely removed, that can kind of fester, cause some problems, and even grow back into some form of a nail. So that, too, a physical exam with your vet, and, and maybe even an x-ray would help to kind of figure that out. But the, the third thing that can happen, from actually from any surgery, Surgery, but we sometimes see it with some of these amputations, whether it's from a limb amputation, a toe, um, or even tails in dogs. We've seen this. And, and it's something called paraesthesia, and it's a type of nerve pain, which is very much like kind of that pins and needle feeling. And it's kind of a, uh, a triggering of that nerve where there's really not necessarily a painful stimulus, but it feels weird. And it can either be a type of nerve pain or it can have this tingling feeling. So for some of those pets, once I've ruled out that other stuff that, you know, there's something more serious going on with that joint, sometimes we'll try treating with medications geared towards that. And there's a couple different ones that I'll use. One is called gabapentin. And it can be very helpful for dogs or cats that chew and like mutilate their tails um, or body parts. So if they're really obsessive, sometimes it's not that they're just being naughty. Sometimes it feels weird and there's something going on. So a medication like gabapentin would be something I would definitely give this baby a try. Um, and then there's even some tricyclic antidepressants that we can use for some pets if, it, if there's other triggers that we think are going on. But um, I would definitely get this kid to the vet and, you know, let them take a look at that and see if we need to take a, a, a picture of that to, to figure this out a little bit more because there's a lot we can do it would be an allergy because he's allergic to everything yeah and i guess the things when we talk about you know if he's focusing on the dew claw itself it would be strange for a dog to focus on the dew claw with allergies allergies are kind of systemic so they affect the in between the feet the ears the butt um all sorts of areas of the body so it would be very unusual if this was the only place that he was focusing on and working on and to blame that on allergies so uh just kind of keep that in mind and uh give that baby a pat on the head i love those big buggy eyes uh, <laughs> They're adorable. Uh, you just got to take extra cautions with those eyes, don't you? Yes, we do. I used to have one that every time he saw a cat, he had to be friendly and run right up and smell them. And face to face, and kitties hate that. What? Yeah. That was a $100 uh, bill to go to the vet because then we had to go get our eyes tested and oh. medicine and <laughs> well, weeds. We say they're cute, but they're not always necessarily the smartest ones out there. So. Well, thank you for your call, BJ. We appreciate it, and uh, we're here to take your calls at Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Hi, this is John O'Hurley. You're listening to Animal Radio. And remember, most importantly, please spay or neuter. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. 
the one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too, and we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Now, when you leave your house, do you leave the TV or radio on for your pets? I do. When I leave, I usually put on something like, a, you know, a documentary or HGTV <laughs> because there's no violence or, or horror screams. And sometimes I'll do soothing, mellow music, but I never, ever put on Animal Planet because I, I don't want a dog <laughs> coming on and barking and my, my dog's freaking out that there's a strange animal in their home because they don't, they don't know what's going on, right? Sure. Am I the the only one who does that? No, absolutely not. I usually leave a little classical music for the cats. Ah, see, oh, Hal, aren't you brilliant? And the reason I say you're brilliant is because I've learned a few things this week. Okay. There's some new research out that indicates when it comes to music, dogs need a variety of music, and certain kinds of music will definitely calm them. Hmm. In a, yeah, a study was done in uh, for the Scottish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and uh, researchers at the University of Glasgow in Scotland played six-hour-long playlist from Spotify, and they used five different genres of music, and they played this for shelter dogs, these uh-huh. entire you know six-hour-long playlist. On one day, the dogs would hear all classical music, music on other days they would hear uh, either all soft rock or reggae or all pop or all motown now the dogs all <laughs> while this was going on they wore heart rate monitors while the researchers wow. uh yeah they monitored their cortisol or stress level hormones their heart rates and uh, behaviors like barking and things that showed they were stressed and they did so even on days when no music was being played so they could compare everything that was happening uh-huh. Here is what they found. The dogs were generally less stressed when they heard music, and they even showed a slight preference for, you got any guesses? Uh, Motown? Motown, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you would say Motown. No, a slight preference for reggae or soft rock. Now, when you said Motown, that's one of the types of music that they liked the least and got the most paws down. Wait a minute. What kind of dogs did they test? (laughs) Uh, All kinds. Uh, But the range of responses to the genres was really mixed. But what they did see is that different dogs responded differently, like we each have you know our own personal taste in music so they say there might be a personal preference for some dogs for different types of music now other research involving shelter dogs does support this chill factor of classical music and suggest that dogs are not 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 fans of heavy metal which tended to leave many dogs physically shaking. I mean, you could see they were stressed. Sure. You like heavy metal music, though, don't you? No, not. I, I used to listen to it, but, you know, I, I just find that listening to it now just makes me want to pull my hair out. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> in country music, which is reportedly, you know, supposedly calming. And we used to play that for our pets in our boarding facility. But, um, you know, that too drives me crazy. And I think, a, you know, a lot of those suicidal things they talk about, you know, your, your wife leaving you, your dog leaving you, you're losing your job. <laughs> I don't want my pets to start getting suicidal thoughts. The results for this make a very, very strong case for music as a calming technique, especially in shelters where the high stress levels, you know, can leave dogs cowering and barking, jumping at people for attention, behaving in ways that makes it more difficult for them to get adopted. Uh, this study was published, by the way, if you want to find out more, in the journal Psychology, or rather Physiology and Behavior. And it was actually built on some previous research by the very same team that found shelter dogs hearing classical music, just like Hal plays for his cats, that those dogs hearing classical bark less and they lie down more. And those are, you know, signs of relaxation. But keep in mind that this uh, effect does not last forever. By the seventh day, even of classical music, the benefits to the dogs in the study had kind of worn off, showing that they uh, get used to the music. You know, it's like elevator music in uh-huh. the background. Mm-hmm. That's why in this study, researchers tested different kinds of music and a variety of tunes in their favorite genre is best, they say. Because mm. you don't want them to get used to it. You don't want to play the heavy metal, so maybe a reggae song. And it's funny, Hal, isn't it? Because we've all been in radio so long. And Judy, you think about this. Remember, variety was always the key word in radio for how many years? Because oh, yes. people liked variety. So just kind of vary it, but but keep it within the limits of what keeps them calm. And by the way, shelter dogs, so I guess other dogs would too, also appear to find audiobooks very calming and really? soothing. Wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. So put put on some of those. And as the search for what makes our pets happy as that continues, the next question for these researchers is to find exactly what dogs like or dislike in music. Like, is there a particular instrument that they find pleasant or even you know a certain kind of beat or tempo down in north carolina there's a a state lawmaker there representative garland pierce and he wants pet owners to show affection for their pets but just you know please don't do it he says while you're trying to drive your car pierce says i don't have a problem with pets actually i want people to love their pets but he wants the highways to be safer Pierce is uh, the primary sponsor of North Carolina House Bill 73, which was recently introduced there. He says he introduced it because his constituents raised the issue of people, you know, driving with animals while in their laps. And, you know, maybe they're at a higher risk for being involved in traffic accidents because, you know, animals can be a distraction and that would reduce reaction time if a critical moment came up. It is not a law yet, though. House Bill 73 is in committee now, and then if it's approved in the committee, then it will have to be put before the full chamber of state representatives for debates, and then they will vote on it, and then the government, uh, the governor would have to sign it into law. Mm. But, I mean, I, I sure hope that they have a law against, you know, talking on a cell phone while yep. you're driving yep. or texting because well, that's pretty distracting too and then if you mix all three the texting <laughs> and the phone calls and the pet on and the, the lap dog, there yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah while playing heavy metal music <laughs> disaster <laughs> i'm laurie brooks get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, Brenda. How are you? Hello. Where are you today? I'm in uh, New Mexico. Okay. How can we help you? I got the good doctor right here. Hi. Oh, my cat. Hello. My cat is licking her side and her hair. She's licking her hair off. Just okay. one what side. What part of her side? Just the center of it. Just about a six-inch six strip. Okay. On the like on the right or the left side of her body or both sides? Yes. Just one side. Just one side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how old again is she? She's between 12 and 14. Okay. So she's an older gal. And how's everything else with the rest of her health? Is there anything else going on currently? No, she's uh, still playful. Well, when I have an older kitty that's displaying signs of grooming in an unusual spot like this, it's a little less common that we start looking at things like allergies and skin disease. I actually start to go looking for some of the uh, more internal problems. In a lot of these cases, I can actually find that a cat might be displaying signs of pain, something going wrong internally. So I will check um, x-rays. A lot of times I'll find things like bladder stones um, or arthritis. And these type of things can cause them to groom on the surface in a way to react to some more inner pain and discomfort that they're having. So that would definitely be something that I would look at. And some older cats also with some different types of hormone problems. Uh, We can see problems with kidney disease, liver disease, diabetes, some of those where we can even see some types of skin problems and manifestations of that. So um, it would probably be something that if I had her here right now, I'd pull up my nice big uh, needle and syringe and draw some blood and get those x-rays and take a good look because um, in many cases, you know, it's kind of the kitty's way of telling us that, you know, hey, I'm not right. There's something going on inside. And uh, we definitely would want to go searching along that avenue. And uh, as far as I should also ask if she's on any medicines of any sort currently? No. No. And is she the only kitty in your household here? Uh, no, there's two other cats. And I have them on uh, uh, a food for uh, urinary tract infection. Okay. And Has so she... I just put them all on that. Okay. So she's not necessarily had a problem with that before then? Uh, no, that wasn't why I put them on because of her. It was another one of Okay. Them. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that's going to be my first thing. And then, of course, if you're in an area where we talk about fleas, um, as always, we look over the, the rump of the tail area right above the, the tail base area, and that's a common site for, site for fleas. But, you know, I just I think that she's trying to tell us something, and, um, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to go look in there and see what we can figure out from the inside out, if you will. Okay. Time for the vet, Brenda. Okay, I'll take her to the vet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Hi, this is Steve Garvey on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free.
You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, toll-free. We'll head back to the phones for your calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani in just a couple of seconds. But first, we go across the pond. We're going to visit with uh, what is a zoo farm cognizist. Zoo Zoo pharmacognizist. I I welcome her to the show. Her name is Shibon Pestano. Is that Italian? Um, Siobhan is actually Irish and Pestano is Portuguese Guyanese. (laughs) I love the name. I will never forget it. <laughs> Thank you, Hal. Now, what is a zoo pharmacognosist? Pharmacognosist. <laughs> That's a great. Well, you're doing you're doing really well with the with the name. So well done on that. Um, it is somebody who facilitates zoo pharmacognosy. Now, I must say that some of some of my colleagues oh, yeah. are actually really really struggling to to get this word across to people so somebody has come up with an alternative term which is going to help explain what it is called botanical self-healing zoo pharmacognosy is a scientific term um, coined a few years ago when the behavior first started getting recognized and if you break it down into three parts zoo animal pharma medicine and cognacy knowing it literally translates as animal medicine knowing referring to animals innate knowledge and ability to heal themselves using plants as they do in the wild and so very long answer to your question how but what i do as a zoo pharmacognosist is i facilitate animal self-medicating because obviously an animal in the wild is free to roam and forage and take a little bit of this or a little bit of that and they're able to address challenges as soon as they occur whereas if somebody has a dog or a cat or even a horse in a field full of grass rather than mixed herbs they don't have the freedom to to seek their own medicines and it doesn't serve any animal well to appear sickly or weak so they tend to hide it from us and from everyone and by the time we can look at our pet and see that they're ill. They've already been ill for a while. Okay, so you help animals self-medicate, which seems mm-hmm. uh, it seems that they're not self-medicating if you help them, but I guess that's because they can't get a hold of the herbs that they might prefer to self-medicate with that. Is that, is that correct? Am I understanding that? It, it, it is. Um, I've obviously explained one little bit um, badly. When I say I facilitate, okay. I, don't, I don't give them the extracts and all I do is I offer and what happens from the animals point firstly I mean some of my kit is dried herbs powders etc but the most powerful part of my kit is actually single plant extract essential oils which are very very powerful and they can do a lot medicinally simply through the animal sense of smell. They don't necessarily take it by mouth. Uh-huh. But what? So I have a question. Is this? I mean, for those of us that don't really do a lot of alternative medicine, mm-hmm. um, is this aromatherapy? That's what I was. Or is thinking. this something more? Yeah. Okay, so that's that is again it's a great question because it's something that really confuses people a lot. It kind of is in as much as there are aromas involved and it's therapy, but it isn't in as much as if you went to an aromatherapist or had an aromatherapy massage or consultation, you would tell them what the problem is and they would decide 
what is good for you according to what they know about X, Y, and Z plant extracts. Now, although, you know, that absolutely has its place and can be helpful, what zoopharmacognosy does, what self-medication does or provides is individualized medicine because I could have a bunch of things with antibiotic or antibacterial properties. Not every animal is going, if I offer them eight to an animal that's got an infection, it might select three, maybe four of them. All animals aren't going to select the same dosage. They're not going to select the same type of remedy. And the individualization of of being able to select how much of what it is and how they want it applied, whether they're smelling it, inhaling it, having it topically applied, which they will show you what they want. So they're they're actually selecting the uh, medication? Yeah, I mean... I know that sounds very counterintuitive to, again, our culture of we know what's best for our animals. Uh Uh, And we think that, you know, partly because of what I do, I I realize that's not true. But obviously, there are lots of instances of animals poisoning themselves. So a very natural response is, what you're saying is completely nuts because we know animals poison themselves. Therefore, you can't (laughs) possibly be right. And that's, you know... That's fair enough, but actually, it's like I love talking about that because it's like there are a handful of reasons or circumstances where animals will poison themselves, all of which are explainable. You know, anything from starvation, um, drought, sequential selection, i.e. If a, if a horse had a load of acorns, if it had access to them and it was eating them because, I don't know, say it wanted to tighten up a wound, but if it felt it had too many tannins in the wild, it would then go and select some saponin rich plants you know that's another example so i'm a dog walker and i know a lot of the dogs that i walk stop and eat grass is that a form of self-medication yes that's the one example that most people go oh my dog or my cat sometimes eats grass exactly that are they self-medicating and yes indeed they are um probably you'll see with a lot of the dogs sometimes they're doing it to purge um yeah but not all yeah, sometimes, but on always. And there's a, a real mixed bag of reactions to that as well. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to make you sick. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like, that's a little bit anthropomorphic because we think, oh, being sick, yucky. But the dog's like, hey, I'm a scavenger. I want a great big bath because I've got something in my gut that I really don't want to. <laughs> so if I have some of this, I'm just going to bring it all back up and feel so much better. All very enlightening. Can you tell us, is there a website where we could learn more about the botanical self-healing? I'm sure you could have a look at my website, which is um, karmacreatures.co.uk. And I'll put that link over at animalradio.com. Thank you very much. And links to everything you've heard on today's show. Thank you so much for hanging with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me. Siobhan Pestano joining us. Uh, We'll head back to the phones for your calls next. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, 
And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> this thing on? In just a few minutes, we're going to have Bob Barker on for his 15th appearance here on Animal Radio. And over the 16 years or so that he's been coming on almost on a yearly basis, he's talked about the circus and really shutting down the circus and the elephants that are shouldn't be performing in the circus. And he's even gone as far as flying some of these elephants out of these precarious situations and to shelters and sanctuaries across the country. Uh, he's That's also awesome. it really is pretty yeah. cool. He's also been very involved with uh, trying to get SeaWorld to, to shutter their uh, whale act, and they have done that. So we have a lot of things to celebrate, a lot of things to talk about. And uh, he's ninety three years old, Gosh, still he's doing amazing. this. Amazing! Wow! And quite the ladies' man, still I understand. He <laughs> he also, as you might remember, he brought to our attention the situation with the American Humane Association and that Dustin Hoffman movie, HBO movie, about three years ago, where the Humane Association was on set and gave him their credentials. You know, the uh, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie credentials, the little certification at the end of the movie. Yet there was a horse that was harmed during that movie. I and think the horse died, didn't it? I think so, although yeah. I don't know that I for don't sure. Know. I, I, I just know that Bob Barker is not a big fan of the AHA. So I want to ask him about A Dog's Purpose yeah. and this movie and the whole controversy with the German Shepherd. Uh, Hercules, the German Shepherd, on that set. So that's on the way in just a few minutes. Uh, what are you working on over there, Lori? Well, one state has just uh, opened up this huge new expansive facility. It cost them $65 million oh. to build this. Yeah, on 14 acres. And it's all about animals. You know, when I ask for a tease, you really do give a tease there. <laughs> I try to deliver hell. Okay, let's go to the phones. And let's take one for Dr. Debbie. We have Bill on line three. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Where are you calling from today? Call. Uh, New York. New York! Yep. Okay. <laughs> What's going on with your animal? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Um, yeah, doctor. I have a three-year-old um, English Springer, and uh, she's getting in the habit of uh, eating dung. <laughs> Eating dog dung or dog, other animal yeah. dung? Yeah, uh, dog's dung. We got, I have another animal or another dog, too, and she, you know, they play together and stay in the pen, and I let them out, and they'll run around, and dog will, my springer will start that habit, which I was wondering how to break that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a, a lovely dung behavior. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, and and if we're being confined in a now, is this a dog like a, a kennel, like a fenced-in kennel, or a crate? Um, like a crate kennel. Okay, alrighty. As far as and I'm taking it, she's only eating the other dog's poop, or is she eating her own yeah. as well? I I don't know. I try <laughs> to keep them cleaned up, and it's I know she's eating stuff out there, and she comes in and just just dung breath, so. I know that Yikes. doing that. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, the reasons for why dogs do this, the, the honest truth is we have a lot of theories, but nobody really knows the absolute certain cause. Um, it, a lot of times we kind of look back at how puppies are, when they develop and when they're with mom, the mother dog actually licks their 
urogenital area. So they uh-huh. ingest their feces and their urine. And some people feel that this can be kind of a mimicked behavior that just kind of sets in a pattern and then they just don't kind of get out of. Um, mm. Other times, you know, we talk about the fat or the protein content in the stool and some dogs are really attracted to things like rabbit poop. Um, yeah. Yeah. Feces, you know, different animal feces because there's different compounds, enzymes, uh, proteins in there that may be somewhat attractive. And it's crazy to think that poop tastes good, but you know what? It really does to some animals. <laughs> so, so it, it, in some ways, when you have a positive reinforcement for a behavior, it's hard to stop it because they just enjoy it. Now, some of the things we need to do when we have a doggy that is eating poop is one, we need to take away the opportunity where they can get into that. So that means we have to pick up that poop as soon as it is passed. We don't want to leave that stool left out in their environment where they can get around that in, in general. It. The second thing is that we want to um, not make a big deal about it when you do catch them in the act. And just just like a kid that smacks around his brother or sister for attention so he gets his parents to yell at him, dogs will eat poop because they love to hear us yell, scream, throw things, ah, stop it, stop it, stop it. And that actually again, is a positive reward for that behavior because they just got you off the couch and they just got your attention and now you're paying attention to them. So you want to make sure that you don't react to that in that way, but to give them some kind of alternate thing to do. So if a dog is trying to pick up stool, you know, a squeaky toy, a, a tennis ball, something you can throw in the other way that is going to get their attention, divert them from the stool, do not make a big deal out of it, do not try to discipline them, make them hold the stool in their mouth or say, bad dog, that's not going to help at all. Um, and then also we want to look at just, you know, keeping these guys from being bored and anxious. So when they do come out of the kennel, we got to divert that activity and energy, get them running, get them doing something so that um, they don't turn, look, see that stool right there and like, okay, that's a great plaything. Yeah. I'm going to go for that. Yeah. Um, so it's okay. kind of a combination of all these things. And, you know, you can do some of the things where people will put cayenne pepper on the poop and so forth. But I think the time you spend walking around with that little Tabasco bottle, <laughs> dressing those, the pile, yeah, the piles of poop, <laughs> you might as well um, work on avoidance and keeping that stool out of the environment. So, yeah. And, and there, you know, definitely some people will say, you know, use MSG, add it to the poop or add it to the dog that is passing the poop. Um, and there's a lot of deterrence that they sell on the market. So those things can help, but um, by themselves, they won't solve this. You kind of got to get at the heart of all of these behaviors and, and, and getting your, like Vlad would say, get the dog a job, <laughs> something to yeah. do, and, and then really um, you know keep the opportunity to a minimum. Yeah, it's too bad they can't clean clean up themselves, but... Hey, <laughs> I like that idea. It's just that opposable thumb thing. You know, they can't quite get that scooper going. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your help, Doctor. Thanks, Bill, for your call. I believe we have John on the phone. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Tennessee at the moment right now, so if I do lose you, I do apologize. I'm up in the mountains. Well, what's up with your pets today? Um, I have a uh, five-and-a-half-year-old Doberman female... We, uh, we've had her since uh, newborn. Um, okay. The problem we're having is we we get her groomed once a month, and within a week later, she starts to smell like a spock, an old spock. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, and I was just wondering, if is it something she's lacking in her diet? Is it something that we can do to uh, change that, or, or is that just a normal thing? Okay, so she's not sleeping with dirty socks or anything weird. Like that. She just <laughs> kind of naturally smells. No, uh, actually, we 
we bought her a really nice doggy bed. She has her own bed. Um, mm. We alternate. We have two beds for her, so we alternate and wash them, and she's always in a clean bed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess, the, you know, what does her skin look like? Does she have any kind of uh, hair loss, oiliness, creasiness? Uh, you, when you touch her, uh, any particular part of her body, does she smell or is it all over? It's just all over. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my wife does a lot of entertaining um, through her business. And when we have people over, you know, where it's uh, everybody's looking at each other's socks and. <laughs> <laughs> They're all I'm looking at each that. other like, who stinks? <laughs> Yeah, it's like a real musky smell, though, and we're not sure what the what the cure for that is. Well, I think the first thing that that I would look at is um, anytime we have a bad odor, we can't find a cause. Um, I, I do actually like to get really close to the pet, and believe it or not, I like to get some samples from the skin and look because some pets can have problems with yeast infections. We can get uh, staph infections or types of bacterial infections. Um, and there are some dogs, and um, Dobermans kind of fit into that, where they can have problems with their oil glands and their skin, where they can have an excess production of some of these oils um, for some pets. So, so that's a possibility as well. But I would definitely say we'd want to do a test called an impression smear, where we look at all the skin surface under the microscope, look for any organisms, because I, I've definitely had dogs we've had to put on medicated shampoos and types of medications to help correct those things. And then there's always that certain pet that might even have some weirdo condition, like a condition called sebaceous adenitis, which creates a smelly, greasy coat. Um, so I would definitely say that's where I would be going with things. Um, get some samples and make sure we're checking things like teeth and, and uh, anal glands, too, because those are really uh, potent sources of odor from dogs. But if you're describing more of that kind of wet sock kind of smell, then then I like yeah. to check for yeast. And yeast is a pretty stanky thing in a dog. Yeah, well, and, actually, our, um, where she gets groomed at is a really well-known place. And they do the anal glands. And so we know that's not a problem. Um, good, we've good. got that much from our groomer. And her teeth are actually very, very white. Uh, we give her the clear rawhides, and that keeps them really clean. Um, Good. But she does flake a lot. I don't okay. know. Maybe that's something new to with her skin. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that that will be worthwhile because it's hard to say, let me just tell you this shampoo or that shampoo. Um, it really would be an individualized thing that we'd want to find out what's going on on her skin surface. And it's such a simple type of a test, but it can really give us oodles of information on what's growing or what's going on on your baby's skin. So I would definitely pick up that phone and line up that visit with your veterinarian because I think we could probably do some things to help her out in, in a lot of different avenues with shampoos. And, and and actually, sometimes we can over-shampoo, too, so that can actually make some conditions worse. So let's get to the vet and find out what we're scratching about and what's going on. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. We are here to take your calls. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you, right now, want to take wait, give me the line again, my brain skip. Uh, Brett Michaels I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead, do that, don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio, Brett Michaels Animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets. They will rock your world.
Here's today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Kia has received six top safety pick ratings from the IIHS for the 2020 Telluride, Sorento, Sportage, Soul, Stinger, and Forte when equipped with front crash prevention and specific headlights. Michael Cole, president of Kia Motors, said Kia is committed to building the safest vehicles possible. These ratings reflect the commitment and reaffirm Kia's continued effort to strive for safety improvement and advancements in every model we produce. Find your new Kia. Read the reviews at OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. It is so easy to reach out to us. And uh, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Download that puppy now if you haven't. It's great because if there's a recall or any news that really affects you and your animals, you'll get it first through your notifications on your your phone, your smartphone. I still have one of those uh, flip phones. I haven't upgraded yet. Oh, how? Do you really? Oh, my gosh. I know. It's, uh, I don't even know how to work those anymore. I, you know, you know, things confuse me. Like electronics confuse me, and phones especially. So, uh, I'm happy with it. I'm surprised it, you don't have your old dial phone. It's well, I would if I could. <laughs> would it? It's uh, it's actually more costly now to have a dial phone than a or a landline those, than it is. You know those ones. With but the yet circles. they want you to get one, so that I mean, it's like cheaper if you get the landline, and who needs it? Yeah. I mean, how can I text from a landline at a restaurant? That's what I want to know. Because that's what you do at restaurants. You know, when you go out with a lot of people, you just Everybody bury sitting your there head on their your, phone. Yeah. yeah. They don't even talk to each other. Not with my little flip phone. <laughs> I'm like looking around at everyone at the dinner table, like trying to start some conversation, but they're all engaged in their phones. Oh, yeah. And then we went out to dinner the other night, and there's a computer right there on the table that you can pay your bill from. <laughs> but God forbid that you would want to play the trivia that you would have to pay an extra $2 to, you know. Uh, go- Even kids, I thought, I'll play the kids' trivia. That's got to be free. They always do everything to make the kids happy. Uh-uh. Guilty. I've played that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then got the bill for it. Yeah. Whoops. Anyway, uh, so it appears that in just a few minutes, we may be talking to Bob Barker. For his 15th appearance here on Animal Radio, we'll find out in just a couple of seconds right here. Uh, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, we've got something new happening in the world of exotic pets. Um, but this isn't your kind of, you know, water tropical pet. This is a, just more of a unique new pet, but they're calling it exotic. And, and we'll tell you what it is. And it's supposedly very, very difficult to potty train this, if not impossible. <laughs> okay. So wait. don't get your hopes up, Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm not even potty trained yet. Okay, so let's go to the phones. And another one for Doc. We have Ron on the phone. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the show. Good day. What's going on? Uh, the problem I have with a truck lab, her name is Dolly. She is chewing on her pads on the bottom of her feet right now, her two front paws. Okay. And she's, uh, did... and she's... Go ahead. She's cracking them open. 
Well, um, if this is something where it just happened all of a sudden, the first thing I look at is if there's been some recent activity that's kind of gone over the edge. Some dogs will just a little bit, especially labs, they'll be a little bit anxious and overdo it when it comes to activities like retrieving, running. So if there's been some physical injury where she sustained that, then um, we look at bandaging and getting her off her feet and some R&R for a while. Now, there are certainly dogs that will get some cracked pads and for various different reasons. Some of them can be some um, metabolic problems inside the body Um, and other times it's just a matter of some dry skin or what we call hyperkeratosis. So um, it really would be something I would advise to have a vet get their eyeballs on just so that we can make that distinction because there are definitely some really freaky looking foot pads in older dogs where the, the foot pad actually grows off to the side. It gets all kind of bristly looking and it can have all these fissures and cracks in it and by itself that isn't usually a problem Um, so if the fact that she's bothering it and especially if we see any oozing or bleeding then you know this is something we really need to get a look at and with an older girl of 13 some of those metabolic problems kind of come to the surface and we might want to you know evaluate that a bit further okay i was just wondering this is all of a sudden i'm a truck driver and she's in a truck all the time so okay it causes a problem because they're on different, different places all the time, and she's walking with asphalt all the time, and that's hot sometimes because of the, the heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this if, this would be something where um, you know it sounds silly, and Hal will probably laugh at me, but there are <laughs> there are dog booties and dog socks that have little bits of skid pads on the bottom. So you know, if it is a matter of you know, her feet are sensitive, and we're not able to get to a vet to do bandaging, some of those little socks and um, the booties, it takes a little time to get them used to that and acclimated to that. But that might be a protective device that you could use, especially when you're on the road, to just keep those feet from really getting irritated. Um, and yes, I would put those on boss. I think that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think Anything those are protect cute. Our babies. I think they're cute. I actually do think they're cute. It's when you start putting on the dresses with the frills that I get a little uh, perturbed. But I, the booties are great. And I know that Ladybug actually has little booties that go on. They're so cute. <laughs> Ron, I hope that helps you out, buddy. That helps a lot. Thank you very much. By the way, we do follow-ups. I don't think there's any other radio show that does follow-ups. If you if you have issues still, our solution doesn't help you. Feel free. It's free of charge. <laughs> it really is. What is it? A full moon? Oh, it is? Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Everybody's had trouble finding their car keys or maybe a TV remote. But when a California man lost his false teeth, he was convinced he didn't just misplace them. 68-year-old Bill Exner blamed the mouse, a mouse that Bill and his wife had captured three times and three times it escaped. He last remembered seeing his dentures on his nightstand, and after searching all over the house for them, he convinced his daughter's fiancé to take a crowbar and hammer to the closet wall with a small hole in it where he'd seen the mouse run in. After tearing up some molding, the dentures were retrieved. Bill's future son-in-law suggested boiling the dentures in peroxide before putting them in. Bill's wife says the mouse frequently comes out and stares at him, taunting him. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, 
this is Prince Lorenzo Borghese on Animal Radio. Please remember to stay neuter your animals. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Experts say there's a new trend in the world of exotic pets. Although when I think of exotics, this isn't exactly what I think of, but uh, it is uh, unique and different. We're talking about the increase in people who are adopting miniature donkeys. (laughs) I mean, they're so small, you know, for a donkey, but uh, pretty much about the same size as a big dog. And uh, those who own and even show these mini donkeys say they are really smart and very responsive to humans, which, you know, it's kind of like a dog. That's why we love our dogs so much. They just want to be near you. And these donkeys are the same way. One man who has 30 of the miniature donkeys says he's trained a lot of different breeds of dogs and young horses, but he says the donkeys, these mini ones, are a lot more like training a dog than they are like a horse. But still, uh, he does concede house training a mini donkey is virtually impossible, saying that uh, he's found that when they need to potty, they just do it. Yep. Kind of like wherever they are yeah. you know, or a horse <laughs> I'm thinking, you know going down the parade right excuse me everybody i have to you know right in the living room there yeah okay. <laughs> so you know and they don't so that for that reason they don't recommend them in the house but um the bigger issue bigger than potty training is they are you know equine they are herd animals so they say you really need two Either two donkeys or a donkey and a horse or those mini donkeys will become very, very lonely. One breeder of them says she has even turned down potential adopters that do not already have at least one herd animal already in their home. The ultimate fate of that steer in that viral video from Texas. Did you see that one? Uh, The steer who escaped from a slaughterhouse earlier this month. His fate is still up in the air, although one rescue group says Baby Huey, that's what they've named him, he's got his own hashtag, Baby Huey, that uh, he may now be kept by the owners of the slaughterhouse, and they're thinking about keeping him as a family pet. But the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary Farm in Texas has informed that family that if they decide they don't want baby Huey anymore. They need to tell the sanctuary so that they can go ahead and make other arrangements that would allow baby Huey to live out his life without fear of being sent back to a slaughterhouse again. 
Hmm. That was wild. Wild. Yes. The world's first privately owned animal terminal and uh, quarantine facility. <laughs> Incredible. It is opened up at John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York. It is called, they call it the Ark. It's a ginormous $65 million, 14 acre wow. facility. That's huge. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but still, it's been so professionally done and well thought out. They say that even at that size, that it's cozy enough for a tiny kitten, but spacious enough even for a Clydesdale, if you want. The Ark caters to travelers who send their animals as cargo on flights, but they do not want them hanging out unattended, say, in the holding <laughs> area, either before or after a trip, you know, where so many animals, you know, get lost or die from the heat and everything. Uh-huh. Companion animals will be staying at the Pet Oasis, which is part of the ARC huge complex, and they welcome pets arriving, departing, or uh, pets who are just in between flights, and that uh, starts at a fee of about 125 bucks. Before takeoff, though, you can drop off your pets, and then they get the animal ready. They give them a, a pre-flight walk, and they check the crate for airline compliance, and then the staff will then transport the pet to the plane, you know, so there's always a human with your pet. And then they coordinate with the airline on the exact departure time, if there are any delays and things like that to minimize the weight in the boarding area. Now, for arrivals, you know, imagine that you're in traffic and you can't get there and you've got, you know, some for some reason your pet is flying by itself. The staff picks up the pet from the airplane and they handle all of the customs and paperwork requirements. And then once they get over to the pet oasis there, they get their food, they get a bath and brushed. And plus they get potty breaks in a grassy area. And pet parents can also receive photo updates of their pet's journey. Hmm. But if by chance you happen to have a furry friend of a larger variety, the ARC also has a dedicated area for horses and even horse quarantining, and uh, and for those who travel with them, like their jockeys and grooms. And there's also a specialized habitat just for birds of all kinds. And they say that a vet clinic is also in the works there, as is a paradise for paws. And if you don't know what that is, it's a luxury pet resort that is already operating in a few cities near, near the big airports, mostly in Chicago, Denver, and Dallas-Fort Worth. Hmm. I, I've heard about those. Boy, it's really amazing how we are now accommodating animals in and out of the cities, uh, the major cities. About time. Yes. I, Lucy, is there a problem? <laughs> What's that, Lucy? Lucy She's like, you promised me a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Lucy. Anyway, I just thought that was fantastic. I mean, I, I love when things are so well planned and things because what we had you know at airports in the in the past you know several decades has clearly not been working or for the benefit of the animals it was just to get them from point a to point b and sometimes even that didn't happen yeah i'm Lori brooks get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com this has been an animal radio news update brought to you by fear free The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We're going to line three, and Rick is on that line. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing today? Good. I have Dr. Debbie here. How can we help you? 
I have an English Bulldog. He's about, uh, he's almost seven years old. And there's okay. two problems uh, that we're having with him. One problem is a recent problem. The other one's been going on for a while. But the, the older problem is that he will, uh, he will start having like, uh, I guess like a seizure. He'll, his head will start shaking real bad, and it's only his head. And uh, an English Bulldog, they do not like being held. But when he start, his head starts shaking, he, he wants you to hold his head still for him. And okay. it goes on for a few minutes, and, and then it eventually stops. Okay, yeah. All right, well, that's an easy one. I can tell okay. you there's a, there is actually a weird syndrome of head shaking, and it is believed to be a seizure disorder, and we see it commonly in a couple breeds. And the English Bulldog is definitely one of those. Uh, Dobermans, uh, Boxers, and I think Labradors are the other ones. And the head shaking, it really is. Some dogs will do the yes seizures or the yes shaking and the, or the no shaking where the head goes up, down, up, down, up, down, like they're nodding at you. Other dogs will go no to the right and left, back and forth, back and forth. And it's very harmless. Uh, it's not anything we really treat for. Nothing necessarily really reliably works. Um, and it is just more of an inconvenience than anything else. And the good thing is most of the dogs, uh, the bulldogs and the Dobermans that do this, don't really develop anything else more serious. So uh, like a ground mal seizure or other types of neurologic problems. So it's more just something to kind of have to live with and, and to know that he's a little special. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, and one other problem that just started... Uh as started this past year, as he has gotten to the point where he's getting uh, really bad about trying to, uh, I guess, hump you, and and uh, we and it and he'll he'll do it while I'm sitting on the bed, and he will try to try it, and I'll tell him no, and he'll start barking at me and, and growling at me and getting mad. Uh-huh. If I have him neutered, will this fix this problem? Oh yeah. I sure, yeah, it would be the first thing I would do, and and I would say I sure hope so, and and I feel, I feel bad for you. The other day I was actually in an exam room with an English bulldog. He was not neutered, and I walked up, petted him on the head, and I turned around to talk to his parents, and he started humping my leg and just kind of let go. <laughs> so they do, they have a very strong sex drive, and yeah, if he's not a breeding fella, there's no reason those those little guys have to be there dangling between his legs. Um, I would say get this fella neutered, and hopefully. It will help with some of that behavioral thing. I'm a little concerned because the barking and some of the behavioral thing can also be a dominance uh, display. So um, the first thing I do is sign up for the neutering, and then the second thing after that's done is if he's still displaying some of those behaviors, you know, we may need to get some behavior training as far as to deal with some of that dominance issues. Yeah, go get him neutered and then call us back if you're still having problems. And and there's a lot of reasons, not only because he's humping your leg, not only because he can go out and procreate and and we already have too many animals, but there's health reasons too, uh, certain cancers that can be avoided with uh, neutering and and, uh, spaying and neutering. Is that correct, Doc? Am I right there? Am I wrong? No, definitely. You got to, and you know, I know we're all very passionate about some of these, uh, you know, the good benefits. And, you know, a lot of it translates into preventative health. You know, I know in earlier calls we've talked about urinary problems, prostate disease. We can avoid so much of this for our pets by just getting them spayed or neutered before they get into that sexually active phase. Snip, snip, Rick. Snip, snip. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal Radio, just reminding you to always stay in new to your pets.
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The 2020 Hyundai Sonata was named one of Auto Trader's 10 best car interiors under $50,000 for 2020. Scott Margerson, director of product planning at Hyundai Motor Company, said this recognition by Auto Trader magnifies consumers' awareness of the Hyundai brand and our company's commitment to making great product both inside and out. The Sonata has a starting MSRP of $23,600 and is available in dealerships across the U.S. To find your new Sonata, see our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is Greg Biffle on Animal Radio, and remember to spade and neuter your pets. The following program is a repeat of an earlier broadcast. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets for his 15th appearance on Animal Radio. We welcome back Mr. Bob Barker. Hi, Bob. Hi, is this Hal? Yes, how are you doing? Hal, I'm sorry I'm late, but uh, I'm here, and I uh, hope you'll forgive me. I, I understand that we actually, it was problems on our end. With we, our phones. With our phones here. You know, it's been raining heavily around the well, studios here. I wish I hadn't mentioned that I was late, and you'd thought it was your fault. Yeah, <laughs> never would have known. <laughs> well, you know what, we're having a, a good year with uh, the whole thing with the circus, the Ringling Brothers... Barnum and hey, Bailey. How about that? Yeah, they're they're shutting shutting down shop. What do you think about that? Oh, I you know how I'm I'm ecstatic, and I think every animal rights uh, guy in the country is ecstatic, and probably several other countries. And then uh, SeaWorld also taking their uh, yep yeah yeah that movie was a I didn't I never saw it, but it must have been a wonder. Yeah. Last a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, this whole hubbub around a dog's purpose. This movie and the treatment of a, a right. What, right. What, what what was your take on that? Well, I it's just like everything else. American Humane Association uh, representatives were there, right there. They never do anything to help animals. I'm so, it's so disgusted with them. They're, they are uh, they are accepting money from the movie industry. And um, they're accepting money uh, from other organizations as well, I understand. And they, they're just, uh, oh, they're disgusting. Yeah, well, it seems like the, the hands are in the wrong pockets, you know. That's like, your life. And, you know, you never know what really happened on the set. They said a lot of that video was edited, but the uh, AHA admits that maybe there were some lines crossed, and it just doesn't seem right. Well, they shouldn't let those lines be crossed, but they do it regularly. So how about you? What have you been up to lately? Well, uh, at my age, 93, I'm wow. hard at getting up and uh, uh, going to breakfast. <laughs> that, that, make, that makes a good day for you, huh? That's a job, and uh, sometimes takes so much energy that I don't have any lunch. <laughs> you just have to fill up at breakfast there. Yeah, I got to get down to breakfast and get that original start every day. But I, I keep pretty busy. Yeah? Yeah. So do you have any animals nowadays? I don't. I uh, am, am in a rare, very rare situation in my lifetime. I don't have any animals at the moment. But uh, 
you can bet that that will change. Yeah, when you Yay. said at the moment at there. At the moment, uh-huh. now, now, do you think yeah. if you decide to add another animal, would it be a rabbit or maybe a dog or a cat? Well, it probably would be a dog or a cat, although I had two rabbits. And uh, I'm telling you, that was one of the great experiences of my life. <laughs> Mr. Rabbit and his honey bunny. And uh, uh, he, now she, she lived to a, a top age for most rabbits. Yes. But he broke records. He was just a great little rabbit. And uh, she was splendid, too. And they, they just... Well, just to watch them was fun. Sure. Did, didn't they live on the uh, second floor pretty much? Yep. Yep. They, they never left the second floor. Uh, they had this one big room all for, all for them, and there was a, a, there was an overstuffed chair in there, which they ate, and uh, <laughs> they, uh, they were very destructive, but they were just a joy to have around. And cuddly, too. Oh, cuddly. You bet your life. They love to be petted. In fact, uh, if I would go upstairs, they'd go, Mr. Rabbit would go run by a certain chair where I would sit and pet him. And, and I'd sit and pet him no matter what else I was doing. Have you been doing anything on the uh, animal front? Well, I uh, have been uh, helping a family uh, up in Canada. Uh, they have a problem up there. Bears, uh, there's no there's no protection for them. And the baby bears, they get killed right and left. And So these are orphaned. They've been orphaned in one way or another? Yeah, yeah. Is it humans that are uh, killing their parents? Or is it just uh, oh, nature? It's hunters, yeah. Yeah. Hunters. Oh. It's like a trophy to them. Mm-hmm. Something right. for their wall. Yeah. Right. I was on the uh, National Rifle Association's enemy list. <laughs> and I called them <laughs> and tell them that I was in no way opposed to guns. I sleep by with a forty-five right by my bed every night, and if anyone gives me any trouble, I'll have no problem in blasting away at them. But uh, I don't want to go out and kill animals. Uh, they uh, seem to understand that. I hope I've been removed from the list. My <laughs> <laughs> last thing in being anti-guns, I, I think that every home should have a gun or two, <laughs> and, I, and I do. Yeah, well, you use them for defense, but for a poor, helpless animal that did that, unless you arm the animals. Now, that's that was that might be hunting. A I'd like to see fight. is yeah. uh, if there was a fair fight. Animal. Well, I appreciate you taking time with us today. Did you know this was your fifteenth appearance here on Animal Radio? I did know that, and I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> you're taking a terrible risk because <laughs> your listeners might be sick of Bob Barker. You know, it's... Listen to that old Never. man tell the same Never. story over and over. We thank you for spending time with us. And when you get that pet, let us know if you decide to get a cat or a dog or another rabbit. Well, I have a lady friend, a house guest right now, and she's pet enough for me. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you both, and it's a pleasure talking with you as always. Be well. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.